Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah, a registered associate nutritionist and your favourite crazy bean. Full of Beans is on a mission to reduce eating disorder stigma and increase eating disorder awareness. Together, we will establish inspiring conversations with a range of individuals, including those with personal experience and their loved ones, as well as clinicians, researchers and charities who are all working to increase the understanding of eating disorders. Using my personal battle with atypical anorexia and body dysmorphia, as well as my Masters in Eating Disorders and Clinical Nutrition, we will together explore the experiences of like-minded individuals who are equally as passionate about sharing their stories to increase the understanding of eating disorders. Please note that this podcast discusses sensitive topics and should not be seen as a replacement for evidence-based therapy or treatment. Today I'm joined by George Mycock, the host of the Maya Minds podcast. Maya Minds' mission is to make sharing mainstream, providing exercises and athletes with the support in sharing stories regarding their mental health. Often we think exercise is the antidote for mental health, but that's not always the case. As well as his brilliant podcast, George is also conducting research with Nottingham University to help support those struggling with mental health in sport. George has his own story to share, struggling with binge eating disorder and muscle-orientated disordered eating that we will discuss today. Hello, George. Hello. What an introduction. Oh, my word. <laughs> do you feel good? We'll do you wait. feel your head getting I do, bigger? I do. We'll just, wait. <laughs> we'll just wait a couple seconds for everyone to stop laughing at my last name. <laughs> There we go. Right. Okay. Now we can go. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for for having me on. Um, it is a pleasure, and um, it is the what day is it today? Monday. It's mm-hmm. two days before our podcast on the Myanmar's podcast comes yes. out as well. So exactly how exciting. How we're exciting. having a little like we're chatting all the time at the moment, aren't we? We are actually. We are. It's nice. <laughs> I've I've made a friend. I did it, yeah. Mum. I did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been really nice. It's nice speaking to you, and um, you seem like a a wonderful human so oh, thank you i do try yeah and that's 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 all i don't i don't expect anything less from anyone who ever approaches me you have to be one <laughs> otherwise get out of my face absolutely um, so thank you so much for joining us today i'm really excited to have a chat with you like i said before we have spoken quite a lot and i think we've got a lot in common so i feel like our conversation today is going to be a very interesting one where i wanted to start with you today was to talk about your relationship with exercise and food so you know we already mentioned in the introduction that you struggle with binge eating disorder and also muscle orientated disordered eating so if we could start could we just explain to people what muscle orientated disordered eating is because i don't think it's something a lot of people will have come across yes of course um this is not something i prepared in my notes so here we go so basically muscle muscularity oriented disordered eating or muscle oriented disordered eating is the it's a form of disordered eating that is very under-researched so really no one really knows what it is properly Mm -hmm. yet because we haven't established that uh, underpinning but the general gist of it is that it's a form of disordered eating that is attempting to create a larger muscularity um, whether that be in size like mass um, or also in leanness and often the the biggest issue within muscularity oriented disordered eating is something that I experience myself and in every other person I know who um, has similar symptoms 
is that you have these contrasting goals of both wanting to be big and needing to eat more food in mm. order to to grow the size of your muscles and have that calorie surplus in order for that to be the case. But then at the same time, you want to be lean. So you need to eat less calories in order to right. like reduce the amount of body fat that you have. So it's re it's this constant contrast of of goals and um it's almost like a cyclical nature of of being dissatisfied with your body you're either big but you feel like you've got too much body fat mm. or you've lost some body fat but now you're small and it's right. just constant kind of cyclical nature and makes things very difficult mm. and do you want to just talk about how you've experienced that along with your other eating disorders my my kind of journey with disordered eating is Similar to, there's one case study on a guy who had a very similar story to me. And basically what, uh, what for me, it started from when I, I broke my back when I was younger mm. and I gained a significant amount of weight. I broke it playing rugby. Um, rugby was my, my thing. And all of a sudden I'm not allowed to play rugby anymore. I gained loads of weight. Um, so I had this really like lack of self-worth in the fact that I've lost my thing. Like this, right. this was my own, one and only thing. And also now I'm hyper aware that I've gained a lot of weight because, you know, the doctor told me that I need to lose weight. The, you know, my surgeon and you know, friends, no one really was like bullying me, but people obviously noticed and I was mm. I was about 14 15 when I went back to school so you know, 15 year old people aren't going to be too kind of considerate about it no. um so it it started with thinness orientated disordered eating the, the more kind of in air quotes classic form of disordered eating I suppose mm -hmm. in the the goal of wanting to lose weight and I did so very successfully um and and I want to say it that way because that's how I was treated in you know I was obese i was um you know according to my bmi i was obese or maybe even morbidly obese right. um so losing weight was a success um, no matter how i did it and i did it um excessively i you know lots of exercise and barely eating um and then somewhere along the way uh, i i got to kind of this severely thin um i wasn't i wasn't um super low bmi but i you know i was, I was thin um and then so at some point i started to connect with and I'm, st I'm still not really sure where it is um well like what point but some point I started to connect with wanting to be muscular and wanting to prove myself and prove my self-worth in being this muscular guy this person who was like lean but also had muscle I guess it came from I started lifting weights whilst I was in my kind of doing my weight loss and I started to kind of build some muscle just from like the the kind of beginner gain so to mm. speak and then I I kind of I was known in the school as one of the as kind of like the fitness guy like one of the fitness guys yeah. I was I was one of the bigger guys in school and you know it became part of that I kind of latched onto that as that's my new self-worth mm. yeah and then the issue with and I wish I could be more concise with this and more clear but it is just really <laughs> difficult the issue with disordered eating are these contrasting roles of of wanting to get bigger but also wanting to stay lean and that somehow to me resulted in um this immense amount of shame around eating what well, you know bad foods again in air quotes um and that eventually attached onto this idea of like when i do i have to just binge them and eat as much right. as i possibly can um and and then you know when i'm not i'm severely restrictive and making sure that you know i'm, I'm eating clean again air quotes foods and stick into this like gym 
these kind of classic gym foods, you know, chicken and rice, broccoli, that kind of stuff. And it's just, yeah, this kind of contrast, this like general contrast um, and exercise plays a huge role in muscle dysmorphia and this muscularity oriented disordered eating in the way that, you know, obviously kind of similar to the way that in you know, the classic way of exercise addiction in someone who's more fitness orientated, they feel that they need to exercise in order to burn off the food they ate or in order to maintain their like thin physique muscularity oriented people feel like they need to lift weights or they need to do some kind of weightlifting or resistance exercise in order to maintain muscle or in order to build muscle so i have to excessively exercise otherwise i'm going to lose the muscle that i have right. and and in the same way sometimes you know doing cardio and, and doing stuff like that i would still be you know I, I need to do this these weights i need to do them to this excessive amount in order to maintain my muscle and then go and do cardio so that i can also burn fat at the same time which isn't you know, scientifically maybe actually what's going on but you kind of that's kind of how it plays yeah. in your mind so yeah that is the uh, roundabout explanation of of how it is and yeah i apologize it's not very concise it's just no. it is it is kind of it's a muddle well i think it you don't have to apologize for it not being concise because i think a lot of the time things like this perfectionism is a pretty strong driver and people often want like that perfect story or that perfect recovery or whatever but it, it just doesn't exist one thing I wanted to ask you from what what you were saying because I think I, I resonate quite a lot with you in terms of you were speaking about like your identity and I think uh, definitely at uni for me I became like the power lifter the girl with abs sorts of thing and for me that was a very difficult thing to let go of so have you tried to sort of change your identity so that you're not maybe that big guy? Yeah, yeah, and it's something. You know, one of the one of the reasons why, one of the kind of main instigators around Maya Minds and why I set up Maya Minds was to. I used to always talk about these definitions of ourselves, how we would mm. define. And I think it's something that's really common in the gym and athlete community. We all know that that guy or or that woman who who is the gym that's what that's what they yeah. you know identify as and i think a lot of people fall into that and especially athletes as well if if you know if your coach is telling you you need to do this you need to do that and and you get all this praise for being um successful in your sport mm. it's very easy to narrow your vision into this is my thing this is what i'm good yeah. at this is all i'm going to be and actually in the gym community the word like obsession being obsessed with it there's a guy called ct fletcher who i don't want to call out because he's literally he was like one of my biggest inspirations in the entire world especially in the gym and i still a fantastic person but he always talks about the fact that you have to be obsessed if you want to be like this you want to be a bodybuilder you want to be massive you want to be the biggest guy in the room you have to be obsessed mm. with it and it's and it's it's in that way basically addiction becomes this glorified kind of uh, this this um holy grail of of an individual if you can be the addict in the gym if you can be the the the, the one that gets there at 5 a.m and trains mm. for three hours or you know whatever if you can be that person that does that that's like the golden standard like you're you're you can put your self-worth into being that into being it's it's glorified basically it can become a problem and that's where i was i was you know if anyone questioned what i was doing they just didn't they didn't get it like i because mm. i'm obsessed i'm i'm that guy like i'm the one and my my friends who used to train with me even now make jokes about the fact that you know we would be i was on the phone with my friend only a couple of days ago and he was saying now 
you know, remember when we used to do, I remember we'd, we'd be training in a three and, and whilst well, I'd finish my set on the bench and then I'd, I'd be spotting for one guy. And then when the other guy came on, I couldn't wait for one more person to finish before I did my set. So I'd go and do a super set or something mm-hmm. else. And they'd always be like, George, where are you going? What are you doing? We need you. Are you going to be up next? Yeah. Um, but I was just, you know, I, I glorified that um and you know what really was going on was all these issues and and this kind of shame of if I don't do it then I'm not that guy and so who am I like what's the point I think it's interesting and and like this is something that I've always questioned because like you said some people do get to the gym at five o'clock in the morning you know they're there they've got the protein shake they eat very clean what where do we begin to draw the line of when that's a problem and when it's not because is it just the fact that that's possibly how we both were and we recognized it was an issue and we're kind of saying actually I don't know whether I want to be that kind of like compulsive about exercise Mm. and then so I'm going to change that and I'm going to be kind of different have a better relationship with exercise and then the other person just hasn't really recognised it's even a problem and they're happy. Like, I, I I, always question how do we begin to say that person's okay doing that? Because to me, it looks exactly the same as the way, you know, we both were with exercise as well. Yeah, and it's, it's something that I often yeah get questioned about but I think people tend to presume that I hate exercise and I think that no one should exercise which isn't the case at all I, I exercise uh, often and, and I still love it I still love love doing it um I, I think there's when somebody is exercising excessively it doesn't even necessarily have to be a psychological issue there's exercise addiction that's primary exercise addiction so you're doing it just purely based off of um, wanting to do exercise and then there's secondary exercise addiction which is usually when it's attached to an eating disorder or some form right. of disorder eating and then and then that they they people who are secondary tend to be have the psychological issues more than people yeah. who have the primary but even still if you are just a person who loves doing exercise and does loads of exercise you can still get some physiological issues like you know reds relative energy deficiency in sport mm-hmm. which can lead to all sorts of um physiological and psychological issues but i think um in regards to exercise addiction you know that person who's getting going at 5am what how can you tell you know if there's two people going at 5am how can you tell if one person's got exercise addiction and one person doesn't think one thing that's really important to look out for or you possibly an identifier could be um the use of a negative feedback loop compared to a positive feedback loop so a positive one would is probably the safer or like less issue option although it can be either way but the positive one would be when i go to the gym my anxiety seems to go down or um, when i go to the gym um, my body looks different that feels great I want to do it more mm. and that that kind of loop whereas the negative one is i go to the gym and my anxiety goes down or my my body changes um if i don't keep going to the gym that's gonna reverse or something bad's gonna happen mm. so now i need to go otherwise yeah. there's an issue and i think it's a kind of a subtle switch but from that from want to need seems mm-hmm. to be the bridge there i would say Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction to make because I think you're right in that wanting to go to the gym, it sounds so similar to needing to go to the gym, but it's it's so different. But I guess 
I don't know whether you know, you know you'll have the answers, but how would people start to determine I want to or I need to because it is such a close thing. And, you know, I'm just speaking anecdotally here, but I, you know, before I exercise, I feel a bit anxious. I feel like I need to get it done. And once I've done it, I feel amazing. So that, you know, could be that positive loop that you're talking about in that mm. you're feeling good when you come out of the gym, blah, blah, blah. But it's that initial bit beforehand that's like, you you need to do this. Yeah. So how do you even start to pick those thoughts apart? Yeah, and it, and it is really difficult. And I think um, it would be impossible for me to do that over a podcast because um yeah. it's it just I think, it's kind of it's kind of funny but it is also um legitimate that you know everything that we say on our podcast is very much for the general you know mm-hmm. i suppose it, in research they often the, the thing that we're actually saying is that in general this is happening or you know in general but there are always outliers everyone's different blah blah blah, blah. we all know that those those terms but i think it is very difficult and and part part of the the issue at first is actually being able to articulate it or at least to to understand um how to yeah i guess understand how to understand which um, <laughs> you know things like the these kind of conversations and you know picking up on things like the need and um, picking up on the possible guilt guilt is a really high correlator with compulsive exercise which is very similar to exercise addiction i won't bore you with the differences but um it's... no i'd quite like to i'd quite like to hear the differences actually oh, okay they use the term exercise addiction now there's a guy called mike trott um who i really hope i got his first name right there <laughs> um, but he, he's he's kind of come out recently with um some like good meta-analyses and stuff and, and they um, in his in his meta analysis, he he defines that we should use exercise addiction because that encompasses both compulsion and dependency. So compulsion is that kind of linked to similar to like OCD mm-hmm. um, in the in the way that it's that kind of need. It's not a case of I want to do it. It's done despite injury, not lack of enjoyment, etc. You just you have to do it. That's the compulsion. Yeah. And dependency is if I don't do it then think bad things happen to me. So you get like withdrawal symptoms, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's so exercise addiction is both of them together. That's, right. that's the difference. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the, that's the difference between compulsive exercise and exercise addiction. Um, and as I was saying, guilt is a really high correlator with compulsive exercise, which is mm. very, like it's encompassed in exercise addiction. So I'll basically use the two terms as one, but it's, you know what I mean? And having guilt, around exercise can be something that you can start to notice so if you don't exercise as much as you as you wanted to or 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 planned to do you feel guilt about it and is that guilt um kind of significant does it have a significant impact on you like does it actually kind of ruin your mood does it have a an an issue with the your Mm. does it break down your day does it make it worse that that can be something that people can point out or kind of can highlight there might be an issue there and um, also the fear of guilt so you might not actually be experiencing that guilt because you are doing your exercise but are you afraid that you're going to feel guilty mm. if you don't do it um is that like are you are you know, when you know I, I, i'm not a psychologist but you know when, when you were just saying there with your your example if you're before you do the exercise you're thinking uh, if if that that anxiety that you have is is based around if I don't do this well enough, then I'm going to feel 
crappy or this has to be the standard otherwise there's an issue um that can be something and i think for me it was always i it was always a comparison so i have to do more than the person with me or right. the person especially if i was training with someone and even to this day i i I, I train with my friends and stuff and I'll, I'll enjoy it more now because I've, I, I focus on the enjoyment of exercise more than it being goal orientated. But, um, I still like, I still like the, my subconscious self still wants to train by myself because then I don't have to compare to the fact that my mate did, you know, a few extra reps. Like uh, normally it would be okay. I have to do another set. And then if they do th do another set, then I'll just do another one, and then it would just I would just keep going. And it, I, there were even there were even times where I would I would like sneak off. I would say I'd go into the toilet or something, and then I would like go into the other room and do a set on that wow. machine if if the, no one was on it, just so I can in my head I was like I've done more than them, so mm. I'm doing fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, really, because I think obviously exercise can be part of of an eating disorder but it also could be distinct from it with the exercise addiction but it's interesting that you talk about the comparison there because I think that's also such a strong trait that is present in eating disorders as well so it's you know very clear that there is such such consistency between the two of them yeah yeah definitely I I always say uh I think people often get kind of taken back when I say that I'm a narcissist because narcissism has such a, a negative like you laughed at yourself and narcissism has such a negative connotation with it that it's someone who's like really cocky and, and fill themselves mm. but you know the, the definition of narcissism I hope I'm getting this right but is basically someone who is you know their self is the kind of important or that the image that they're portraying is very important to them and yeah. in that is other people's perceptions of you so if, you know, you're anxious about what other people think you look like in the gym or look like in your clothing or, or whatever, that is narcissism. And I think mm. that's the reason why um, muscle dysmorphia and narcissism is one of the classic traits of someone who has muscle dysmorphia. And people think, oh, yeah, because they're all just cocky, like gym yeah. people. like. But no, it's actually usually because they're incredibly anxious about what other people think they look mm. like. So I am a narcissist, um, <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't say I'm cocky, but I, um, you know, I am concerned with what other people think of me yeah. and how I portray myself. I think it's really good that you raised that actually because I think we do need to change our mindset a bit about the way that maybe we see other people in the gym because I won't lie you know when there's you know a guy in the mirror like pumping his biceps or you know taking a picture or whatever my first instinct will think god he loves himself but then you know if I took a step back and I thought actually like you know you check yourself out in the mirror a lot and that's not because you're thinking damn girl you look good it's the complete opposite so I think like you said there are a lot of stigmas associated with it and I think because it's not spoken about that much those stigmas you know we're trying to raise awareness of different eating disorders and the stigmas associated with that but I think this is like a completely new kettle of fish that maybe people haven't even thought about yet yeah we're so we're also terrified of being arrogant that the even talking about what might be arrogance is scary because what if we accidentally find out we are arrogant <laughs> i think that's where it is but there's a difference between confidence and arrogance and i think yeah confidence is is believing in yourself and and, and thinking you're you have self-worth and arrogance is um making sure or like telling yourself that you're better than the other person which isn't mm. the isn't the case 
so yeah, I think I think that's that's where that fear of of talking about checking yourself out in the mirror is because it is a narcissistic thing to do is to is to capture an image of yourself. But really, mm-hmm. I don't. I think you no, know, I, I I don't want to make a blanket statement on everyone. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who do it purely because they enjoy it or, or whatever. But really, you're, you're taking that photo because then you're going to send it to somebody else to get their perception of it or you're putting it on social media to to yeah. create a perception of yourself in some kind of way. Yeah, maybe next time you see a guy flexing his arm in the mirror or, or, or woman, you know, think think twice. But on the topic of that... Not necessarily I'm going to go up to a stranger in the gym because that could potentially be slightly weird. Mm -hmm. But if somebody listening, you know, maybe not even themselves, but have noticed maybe a family member or a friend that is becoming more preoccupied with the mirror and maybe making comments about the way that they look, what sort of things do you recommend that people do to kind of keep an eye or just make sure that their family or friend is doing okay? I'm going to say the two things you shouldn't do first. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be avoidant. Don't think, oh, someone else will deal with it. Because odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) you're the person who's more interested in this kind of stuff and more likely to be helping somebody else. So you're that person, I'm afraid. (laughs) You're the person that everyone else has has said, oh, someone (laughs) else will deal with it. So it's you, I'm afraid. And two don't this one's really important and again it's a thing that people don't want to talk about but don't be confrontational Mm -hmm. because especially if you try and reach out in some kind of like vague way or subtle way that you like you that you probably should do it can be frustrating and as someone who has an eating disorder i'm certain i have annoyed people who who have tried to help me in the past and quite rightly so because it it is frustrating to try and help someone who doesn't want to be helped Mm -hmm. um, or even doesn't recognize that there's an issue and which is probably the case in a lot of people when there's it's exercise involved because exercise is the wonderful um, amazing thing that only does good which you know isn't isn't necessarily (laughs) the case when you're when you're going up to someone try your best to recognize if you're a bit annoyed or if you're frustrated and don't Mm -hmm. outrightly say to them i think you have an issue or I think you have a problem or like I think you have an eating disorder or I think you have exercise addiction I think saying those those words just immediately puts people's guards up and I think it's Mm -hmm. it's not usually the the way to go I think there are exceptions there so please don't take it as literal I think you know for example if if someone said to me George I think your exercise addiction is coming back I'm probably self-aware enough and and accepting that I have the the issue there enough to be able to say oh yeah actually you're probably right and I'd probably take it okay but I think in most cases it's not right um so I think the thing to do is to be supportive um and to open up the the like the chance for them to be able to say something so I think not necessarily telling them that you're going to be you know that you think there's an issue but saying you know if they if they recognize as an issue or they think you know say oh yeah I watched I listened to this podcast the other day about um exercise addiction and stuff and yeah I I think I think it's probably more common and even even say you know I recognize some of it in myself um and and you know and again immediately you've kind of opened up that conversation of like that's Mm. a thing that can be that that can happen and then and then you can you know just start with comments of like you know the classic like how are you but how are you really like you're asking again (laughs) and you're just creating that environment where someone can be like 
oh yeah actually i'm i'm feeling a bit crap at the moment i want you know i want i want some help with this or you know i, I feel like this and then it once once someone opens up then you can maybe start to question a bit more if they're yeah. if they're okay with that you can say oh is it you know i did notice actually that you're exercising quite a lot and stuff you know is is that tied in with it and they might say no in which case you know don't again don't be confrontational don't chase them down <laughs> allow them to come up allow them to figure it out um but yeah just just giving them the opportunity to say it themselves yeah another question that i have and sorry that i'm bombarding you with questions but yeah, I, I think i mean the questions are coming to my head so maybe they're coming to people that are listening but Something that I've always muddled through is if you had an addiction to something that not everybody has in their life, Mm -hmm. I'm in no way saying that it would be easy in the slightest, but obviously the way that you get over the addiction is to cut it out and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's gone and, you know, you might be in situations where it comes up, but the, the way of treating it is, I guess, more obvious. And even with... An eating disorder, again, not saying that it's easy in the slightest, but if somebody's struggling with something like anorexia, often the treatment is, you know, firstly is to start incorporating more food. But with exercise, it's difficult because, you know, even going for a walk, that is exercise. And you kind of have to do that in your day-to-day life. And like we've said before, not all the time, but exercise can be something that's really good. So if you are struggling with an exercise addiction you know is it the case that you just need to go ahead cut the ties don't do it for however long you need to in order to kind of reintroduce it back in and see where you feel comfortable or is it something that you can kind of carry on doing see how you feel manage maybe this you know start working on some psychological therapy or what's your opinion on that yeah and again i'm not i'm not a clinical psychologist or anything so i can't i can't say for certain but i think i think with all these things it's it depends um Mm. and i think for myself it was the case of slowly making steps towards changing the way that i felt about my exercise rather than necessarily well i suppose it, it did incorporate changing actually what exercise i was doing but it's more about that that feeling around it because the same mm. with with eating disorders it's not you know although maybe in some cases people are just told they have to eat more even made to eat more because they're in a, a state where they might die or there might be some kind of serious implication most mostly the 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 treatment is why do you feel that you have to do this yeah. like why why is that the case and it you know it's a psychological disorder not a physical one and it's the same yeah. with exercise addiction it's not physical it's psychological and it's trying to figure out what is underpinning it and you know in some cases it might be that they they need to stop altogether you know especially if the it's a secondary exercise addiction and it's alongside kind of anorexia or you know severe restriction of food then there's going to be some dangerous outcomes if someone does continue to exercise in that excessive manner so they may need to immediately stop but yeah i think uh, yeah it's a really difficult question to Mm -hmm. answer because i don't want to tell anyone that this is the way to do it but my personal experience it was um you know even just starting as small as like i'm gonna swap one of i'm gonna swap out the exercise that i hate doing 
like because i feel I, there's that there's this there's this saying in in exercise which is a load of crap and it's and it's like oh people i hear i hear people say it, okay not all the time but occasionally where it's like oh if you hate doing that exercise then obviously that's the one that you should be doing because your body's telling you that you're not very good at it and then you've got mm-hmm. to do it and i used to live by that and that is such a load of like i don't want to swear but it's a load of crap like, it's literally so it's a load of poo it's a load of doo-doo <laughs> It, do, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. It's just, it's a thing that pers- like personal trainers or, or not, I'm not, not crapping on personal trainers, a lot of wonderful personal trainers out there, but you know, it's a load of people who work in a gym or something have just said it because they couldn't be asked to change. Sorry, might have been a swear, I don't know. Couldn't be bothered to <laughs> change. Fun. Couldn't be bothered to change the exercise in their group class. So mm-hmm. they just said, oh, well, you know, you don't like it because your body's telling you that you're not very good at it, so you've got to do it it's not true like if you don't like if you hate an exercise if it really just like you you feel horrendous when you think about doing it don't do it which is is easier said than done but yeah so for me like you know just stopping doing the exercise that i hated doing and putting an exercise that i actually just enjoy doing and then starting to be like i'm doing this because i like doing it this is fun not yeah. because i have to do it and you know stuff like that um, and it made that makes it sound like it was a really easy road and and like i just oh yeah i just stopped stopped thinking that way but it did take a long time and i, I messed up a lot of times but that's kind of my my general way i yeah. went no, I think that's really good. And can I just say, I completely agree with you with not doing things that you hate. I hate dumbbell curls with, like, passion. I hate them so much. And my, like, coach still puts them on my programme and every week I'm like, how many times have we said this? I'm not going to do them. But also, thank you for highlighting about the psychological kind of aspect behind both eating disorders and exercise compulsion because I think it could be very easy to presume that you do just need to get rid of the thing or you know work with the thing that you're struggling with and I think often people say I'm talking about eating disorders here so let's like transfer it to exercise but people often say eating disorders aren't about food well it might not be that the the like food is the actual issue but you're using the food as a mechanism to cope um and I guess it's the same with exercise isn't it it might not be the actual exercise that is the issue because exercise can be really good but if you're using exercise to cope with a situation that is when the issue arises yeah and i think the big problem that comes in is that some like like for example i'm going to use the the, the eating disorder example because i think it's 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 more clean in the way i can explain this mm-hmm. but you know if someone is severely thin or they've lost a severe amount of weight and and the way to initially fix that the way to to stop them having these physiological issues and, and you know the heart failure or whatever whatever's, whatever's happening from this severe weight reduction is they need to eat more food yeah so then people think oh so that's that's how you fix it because that's how you solved that initial problem but that's mm-hmm. just like one of that's just the initial problem yeah that it doesn't mean that that's all the problems are that's the only it's like static issue there are you know it's the the i think the the often the classic one that people talk about is the iceberg model of the idea mm. that you know the the food that the food and the exercise is the is the tip of the iceberg i don't know why i'm making the signal to you no one can see this um, <laughs> i'm getting but, an explanation yeah <laughs> the tip the tip of the iceberg is sticking out of the water and that's you know we see we know oh you need to eat more and you need to exercise less or or whatever um and sure we can we can address that if it's an issue immediately 
but the actual iceberg underneath that huge mass of ice underneath the ocean that's keeping it that's that's making that thing stick out is trauma i don't know adverse childhood experiences in the past all the you know all these these psychological issues bullying social media all these stresses and stuff that are pushing those things to the surface um, but we all just have that that um, like zoning in on oh it's about they're just not eating enough they need to eat more mm. um, and it's just it's not the case yeah no definitely and then something else that I wanted to discuss with you was the social and the psychological effects of compulsive exercise I think we've kind of already touched on psychological a bit but I think a lot of the time exercise is seen as this really amazing thing that has no negative consequences so if we could just you know discuss a little bit about maybe the negative consequences that can happen if things sort of do get to that point where they're you know addictive or compulsive yeah so I suppose I'll start with social stuff that can can be the case and two main ones are um, kind of relationships and like occupational um, issues so you know the relationships first um, you know you're less likely to go to a like friends like a family gathering or a friends gathering or parties etc nights out etc because it's gonna influence your you know the goal that you're trying to get which is this like mm. body manipulation trying to look a certain way etc or it's going to hinder your exercise because you know i didn't go on nights out or I'd, at least i didn't drink and i come home early and, and like i would not I would, all i would talk about is exercise and you know it, it becomes so much of you that you know no wonder you you you're, you know, you're, the perception from other people is all this guy or, or woman or you know, all this, this people person talks about is exercise. They never want to do anything fun. They never want to blah, blah, blah. So why would, why would they want to be friends with you? Like, like, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's very difficult to become friends with people who aren't within the gym. And then, you mm. know, the friendships that are within the gym tend to be quite shallow because all you'll want to talk about is exercise and 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 stuff so you know it becomes really difficult to maintain friendships so you start losing friends and then you know you're you already got a poor self-worth that you're trying to prop up with mm. this this lifestyle but now also you know even though you're doing it um you're you know you're exercising more and you're eating less or, or whatever um now if people aren't being as nice to you or aren't aren't as friendly with you aren't, aren't trying to keep in touch outside of the gym mm. um so then you think, oh, you know, and maybe if your coping mechanism is exercise and, and eating, then you think, oh, I need to do that even more then because then it will, um, you know, then it will maybe make people like me more because my body will look different or whatever. Um, but and, and sometimes you know, that can sound almost like, um, like ridiculous if people listening to me saying, oh, yeah, people will like me more if my body looks better. Um, but, they, you know, I think at least for, for my personal perception i don't know about you but that's that's how i felt like you know, maybe yeah. not consciously but subconsciously if if i if my abs look a little bit better then that person's gonna like me more respect me more yeah um, yeah i'll have so, more friends if i look a certain way that's yeah, definitely exactly. what my process was exactly exactly um and then occupationally basically the same thing you know i, I used to i, I worked at um, b&m which is like a big chain shop um during whilst i was like doing my undergrad i used to at summers i would come home and i used to go to the toilet to do press-ups and then wow. come back so obviously my my boss or whoever would know would say like 
you you go to the bathroom to like you go in the bathroom like loads like yeah. what like thinking I was just trying to like take time off or you know or you were in the bathroom for ages little did they know sorry that's my dog barking um little did little did they know I was doing a workout in the bathroom for like 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever like a quick workout you know so I never luckily I never did get fired or anything but you can see how that can lead to yeah, job absolutely. losses and and issues with like occupational stuff so yeah it does it has an effect on your entire existence your entire life socially and then obviously psychologically the the impact that ha- doing you know, both in a kind of a physiological manner you know especially if you're exercising a lot and, and not eating enough your your um blood glucose is going to be low and glucose is one of the things that can pass the the blood brain barrier so your brain's not getting as much energy as yeah. normal so then you're gonna you know your, your functioning's not going to be as as optimal as it would and that can that can end up leading to depression and anxiety etc cetera, etc cetera. but also you know the the i think again this is going to be a thing that makes it sound like i hate exercise but i don't at all but the culture around exercise basically just breeds like issues it, it's so like yeah. when you break it down it is so horrendous you know i've got i've written down a couple examples here so one of them is that the idea of of working hard and like no days off you know you have to push yourself every workout has to be compl- like pushing yourself and you can't have like a relaxed workout because then you're just wasting your time mm. and if you have a day off then you know you've just you're just lazy you could have done something that's building guilt and we spoke about yeah. guilt earlier it's one of the biggest kind of correlating factors you're literally just breeding guilt Mm. then the second one is the classic stick to the plan or you know my my plan is is best and you know a lot of personal trainers coaches etc make these like cookie cutter workouts (laughs) like the same thing and they just send out to everyone and say like oh just do this like this this is like optimal this is the best way and you know if that person goes off it they say oh like you know you need to stick on it because like you know that's a bad thing you've you've gone off it you need to Mm -hmm. stick on it you know exercise and exercise and nutrition are so individual like ridiculously individual if you take like let's say like a football player there might be you know cristiano ronaldo who's arguably one of the the best players ever who's only very like physically impressive you know if you did his exact nutrition and training plan it wouldn't work because it's it's all he does it's mm-hmm. it's all that yeah. like it's his life is his nutrition and training plan is designed around him his behaviors the way that he thinks about food the way that he what food he likes the way he likes to train that blah, blah 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 so even if you copied like the arguably the best player ever or whatever you want to say it wouldn't work for you like it mm-hmm. wouldn't because you're not him um, yeah. but, but we tell people that if you don't stick to this thing, then you're bad and you're wrong, but no, you're just, mm. it's just cause you're not the same human as this thing was designed for. Yeah. Um, finally is the, the focus on body shape and size, mm. like weight and shape concern, um, is something again, that's really commonly found in disordered eating and in exercise addiction. And, you know, when was the last time you heard about someone going to the gym because that wasn't because they wanted to look different or wanted to lose weight or wanted to whatever? Um, and when was the last time you got complimented in the gym for something other than the way that your your body yeah. looked? Um, and it, and it's, you know, it's built and it's hard. Like I'm so aware of it, but I still sometimes, if I walk into a gym and I see my mate doing bicep curls, I want I, my, I, like, it's almost quite like throwing, I'm throwing it up almost like, oh, your arms look great. Or like, it's just because it's so like inbuilt yeah. into the way yeah. you're supposed to talk. 
Um, but it's just telling people like, the reason I like you is because your body part looks good mm. when you're doing this thing. Um, and it, the, why like, <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah. you know, and it is really hard, but it's, again, it's just making people think that the reason you like them is because they look good and it's, you shouldn't do that. It's difficult though, isn't it? In, it's difficult in normal life. You know, I, I'm anxious about coming out of lockdown and people seeing me for the first time, maybe in a, in a year. And naturally people's first thing will, they will look at you and they'll probably have a comment about how you look. And so in normal life, it's, you know, you look well, which I would take as you've put on weight. But in the gym, like that is an environment, like that's an aesthetic environment. So you go to the gym, like people are going to comment on mm. something or other because like you said, for the majority of people, that's why they're going is to kind of change the way they look. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess I don't really have an answer for it. I suppose like, you know, it's, it's not, I was going to say especially, but it's not especially hard, but it's, it's kind of differently hard for people who are actually trying to be, get bigger and trying mm -hmm. to be more muscular is because, oh, you look like you look like you've lost weight or you look thin or something is a classic compliment. It's like the, it's like yeah. the, the safe, the safe thing to say. Um, but to me that is, oh, you look like you've lost muscle. Like yeah. uh, which, that's all it says to me. Um, and you know, it's just, I suppose it's just building up that, that barrier of like, this is just a, they've just said that because it's just what they think is a thing. I have these other things that are great about me other than the way my body looks, but I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm, I definitely have anxiety about how people are going to come comment on my body mm. when i come out of lockdown because i've i've definitely gained weight um and i haven't been working out anywhere near as much as i would because i don't enjoy home workouts as much mm. as i do gym workouts and it's yeah i suppose it's just part of the reality but i think you know i know i know this isn't what you're saying but i think some people would say oh you know so why like why bother like why bother even talking about it why bring it up i think you know it's don't ignore like just because the problem seems to be inbuilt in society and and would be very difficult to change doesn't mean we just shouldn't talk about it no. um, and there are there are several um, movements that we can mention there and you know the you know, there are things that are inbuilt into society that we all take for granted and all all you know people just um assume things and people just say whatever and we need to, you know, there needs to be changes. And so I think it's the same with the, with the exercise culture or the way that we perceive exercise and, and the, you know, the gym culture itself needs to change. Yeah. And I mean, this is just my advice, whether people, this was quite ballsy of me, um, whether people have the, the balls to do this, it's completely your choice. But when I did see someone after lockdown one, they did say something about my body and my head instantly took that as a negative and I was like, oh God, you know, this is a catastrophe. But I stopped myself and I just said to them, what did you mean by that? No, oh, sorry, that sounded really rude. <laughs> I'm gonna... you, grab, you grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and went, what did you mean? I very nicely in my lovely voice said, what did you mean by that? Um, not quite like that either, but I can't do it now without sounding aggressive. And then they did reply and it was completely the opposite to what I had thought. So if you do have the confidence, I guess, to say to somebody like, oh, would you mind? And even if it's after the event, like send them a message or whatever, I promise you it will definitely not be what your head has assumed. So it is, yeah, if you can, I would, I would recommend that you do do that. 
And I think I also think that like ninety nine point nine percent of people, and I think the the point one percent who say that they haven't actually just don't realize it. But I think every like I think a lot of people, most people, everybody has had some kind of weight and shape concern at some point in yeah. their life, or someone said something and it's made them think. So I think mm. if you if you do send a message or say, oh, like that made me feel like you know when you, you said this earlier, I know it probably didn't mean anything, but can you just clarify what you meant because yeah. it's kind of messing, it's playing on my mind. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone would ever have an issue with that. And if they do, they're a loser. So. Get rid of them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that conversation, George, I had such a nice time. I think, I mean, I was pers- I was asking you questions for my own personal benefit, to be honest, but hopefully everybody else um, has taken something away from that as well. So just to wrap up, the kind of last question I've been asking everybody is if somebody is listening and, you know, they resonate with what you're saying, what would be your top tip or best advice for them to kind of leave I guess we'll we'll stick with the kind of compulsive exercise here leave that behind um, and have the confidence to do so um I think this is probably an answer you're going to get from a lot of people so I apologize up front but I think the fact that you will get it from a lot of people means that it's important um is that you should try and speak to someone about it um and being with that i have a tip for speaking to someone about it which i think is really important and often miss um or not not thought about is tell that person beforehand because it's scary well we've all been there when someone says they want to talk to you about something sometimes it's scary because you don't know what you're going to say or what to say Mm -hmm. say to them um what i'm about to tell you i'm quite scared to tell you um and just so you know i don't want you to to fix it or to say anything that's going to to like you know make me feel better um you can even just reply with a nod or an okay or whatever you want please don't think you have to say anything but i need to tell you something is that okay um and that like it's not it's not weird it just if anything it takes the pressure off that person they can immediately be like oh okay i don't need to fix them or come up with something um so yeah that that's what i would say is is speak to someone and clarify with that person what you know what what their role is in the conversation before you start because that can can make it easier for both sides yeah fantastic thank you very much and i would just like to say i'm so glad that millie did bark because she made an appearance (laughs) in the podcast which made me very happy (laughs) she did she 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 has like a knack for um knowing when i'm recording and deciding to bark Uh, yeah (laughs) thank you thank you so much hannah for having me on honestly um it's awesome to be a part of this podcast so yeah thank you thank you I really hope that you got as much out of that podcast episode as I did from George. For me, this episode summed up what this podcast is about, and that is providing you with resources, education, understanding in a simplified manner of why whatever eating disorder you're going through, why that's happening. For me, like I said in the podcast, compulsive exercise is something I still struggle with, but talking to George has given me insight on what I need to do to make changes. And so I really hope that maybe it's this episode, maybe it was another one, but I do hope that you can go away and take something from it and that it really enables your recovery, your loved one's recovery, your patient's recovery, um, just to be supported that a little bit more by having that understanding. Next week, we've got another educational podcast um, from Charlie Babb, who is a PhD student, and she's looking into the link between anorexia nervosa and autism. 
The conversation was really interesting because so many traits in autism are apparent in anorexia, but because of starvation. And a lot of autistic women don't get the right support because it's just not adequate um, to manage their autism and their anorexia. So the work that Charlie's doing is invaluable. If we take the example of a restricted or a rigid thinking style, this is something they kind of possess anyway because of their autism. And in a way that will then that might play into the development of the eating disorder. You know, thinking about having a rigid routine um, around around food and things like that. And then we know that kind of the body is in this, this state of semi-starvation that they're gonna have more rigid thinking patterns anyway. It just kind of reinforces itself, mm. I guess. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode. So be sure to subscribe to be one of the first to hear it. Please also like, comment and share this podcast with anyone you feel that may need support at the moment. Not only those struggling with eating disorders, but also their loved ones, as this can be a very difficult time for everyone. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses and this podcast aims to motivate and inspire individuals along their path of recovery. If you are struggling with an eating disorder, charities like Beat, Seed and First Steps have great resources. Please also reach out to your local GP to see how you can gain support for your eating disorder. See you next time. Bye!